Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. I'm your host, David, and as always, we're brought to you by 1-800-CONTACTS and Lingo Eyewear. If you want great prescription glasses or great prescription sunglasses, but don't want to take the hassle to looking all around online or going into a shop and getting them custom fitted for you, you can do all of that on their website. Go to www.liingoeyewear.com and use promo code Light the fight for $30 off your very first order. So for today's episode, I'm going to be answering some questions from a recent event we had with Pleasant Grove uh, City. And we did an event for the parents out there that was put on by PG Cares. Thank you to Tamara and all the beautiful people out there that put on the event. And man, this was different than most events. They had a lot of free giveaways and I won't get into all that too much, but I had a lot of fun and a lot of people that came out there, got some great information Learn about some great resources and one great things like AirPods. Um, there's a couple things on there. Oh, taco sets like where you can put your tortillas, your guacamole and all that stuff like that. I won one of those. So I was kind of excited about that. But anyways, I just want to thank the people out there at PG Cares for putting on the event and all the great sponsors that did it because uh, it was really fun and it was good for me to get back out there and talk to some communities. As most of you guys know, I do podcasting, I do therapy, I teach high school and when requested and asked, I go out and speak to the community as well. So it was a fun event. And from the event, I was able to get some questions that I was unable to answer during the event. So as promised to all of the people that attended the event, I would answer your questions here on today's podcast. But I'm going to spread it over the next few weeks because I got another event coming up with Olympus High School this week. And I'll be getting more questions there. So for the next month, I will be taking some time to answer some of these questions. And I'll be having a friend of mine going to come on the episode as well, a real life father, uh, not just an average father, in my opinion, a very good father. He's a father that I've worked with, with his family. He's been kind enough to say, Hey, Dave, can I come on there and talk about my experience working with you and also help out parents? And I said, absolutely. Um, he's not an average person in his ability to articulate information. In fact, he's a sought after keynote speaker and entertainer. And so I look forward to having him on the episode and he'll be answering some of these questions for me in the future. So the questions I don't get answered today, I'll be answering it with my good friend and I'll announce who he is when he comes on the podcast. But for now, it'll just be a mystery. So for now, I want to take some of these questions. And like I said, I'm not going to get to all of them. So all you people that came to the event that wanted your questions answered, if you don't get your question answered this time, you'll just have to tune in next week and in future weeks and we'll eventually get to all the questions. So let me see, what question do I want to start off with? How about, okay, this is a good one. Uh, how can a parent tell when their child's social media use has become unhealthy? This is actually quite easy. Uh, in diagnosing someone with issues with addiction, now I'm going to use the addiction analogy just to help you guys understand because if you guys didn't realize this, technology can be addictive, especially social media technology. But not everyone that uses social media is going to become addicted and not everyone that has some issues or let's say you're a parent and you're worried about your kid's social media use, 
doesn't always mean that your kid's addicted. It means, well, it could mean that they have some dependency and they have some issues that don't fall under the addiction category, but I'm going to help you understand it in a very simple way. With addiction, if it's drug and alcohol addiction or social media and, you know, addiction like that, uh, how, how, we, how we look at it is pretty much the same way. If you have a teen, let's say, for example, that their grades are failing, the relationship with you and them have, has taken a big hit. It's causing lots of problems in the family. And the one common factor is that there's big fights over social media. Now, if you're being honest with yourself, parents, and you have been reasonable, you've been understanding, and you have not been you know, too much of a Nazi about social media, because some parents can be a little too intense about the way they approach social media with their kids. So if that's not the case, and you've been trying to be you know, a parent that's understanding and try to work with them, but they still, I mean, they're, they're falling apart in a lot of different categories in their life. And, and you believe the direct correlation is because of social media usage and their addiction or, and their, their amount of using it is becoming so excessive. When you look at their phone, it's hours upon hours. It's at the center of a lot of drama between family and, and of course yourself being their parents. Then that could qualify as addiction if it was to go on for a very lengthy amount of time. Uh, also, mental health disorders, so if you see an increase in depression or anxiety, those types of things, and that would fall more under the, the label of addiction. Now, dependency is a, a sl just a step down from that. It's a decline in many or some of those areas, but it hasn't ruined relationships. It hasn't caused them to fail all their classes. It hasn't caused the, the extreme effect in their day-to-day -day functioning in life as... Uh, we would say if someone was addicted to. So it's definitely a step down from it. So the addiction is very intense. It's affecting lots of relationships. Maybe they even lost a job because they're on their phone on social media too much. Maybe they've had serious issues with um, friends and you know in, in that realm, and those issues are pertaining to the fights on social media, and they're constant, insistent on being on social media all the time. In that case, mental health goes down, all those issues, that's addiction. Lighter version of that is uh, a, a dependency. So that's how you know if your kid has is having serious issues with social media. And I'll put in a little plug. Um, I believe on November 10th, yes, November 10th, if my memory serves me correct, but I don't trust my memory, so I might want, you might want to check this out. If you haven't heard about it, locally, there'll be an event called I Am Mom Summit. This year, they're focusing on the digital, technical space and world, the dangers that can come from that, some plans, some things that you can do to help your kids and also to help yourself have a lot of competency and understanding how to navigate those waters. And on November 10th, if you can't make it physically, if you can make it physically, I think they may still have some tickets available. I'm not sure about that. They could be sold out already. But if, if you can make it physically, make it physically. I will be there. Um, if my wife's schedule will allow it, she'll be there. And um, if not, online. I know there'll be thousands of people logging uh, onto the event online to hear many of their amazing speakers and their keynote speaker talk about um, various different ways that you can improve your family relationships, help your kids not become addicted or even dependent to social media and also how to navigate it so that you have a lot of prevention so that you're establishing, you know, social media and internet technology plan way ahead of time. And I, I'm looking forward to the event. I, I'm excited because I, I truly believe that the people who are putting it on 
are putting it on from the best of places. This is not like a money grab. It's not something that they're doing just to, you know, get some clicks online. I, I, I've talked to them, and I believe their hearts are in the right places. And I also believe that the people that they have as speakers for this year's event and presenters are have, have a very high knowledge about this subject in, in different avenues, of course, because not everybody's going to speak on the same subject about um, tech addiction and what to do about it. But I truly can give a, a, a heartfelt um validation and I can co-sign for what they're doing. So please go check it out. Like I said, if you can't be there in person, go and attend online. And I believe it's also going to be available for a little while in case the timing of the event is not available for you to, to log in online. I'm pretty sure you can watch it for at least a couple weeks after the event. So check it out. I am mom summit. Now the next question, take one more or at least one more. I'll save that one for last. Okay. How do we get parents and youth interested in learning social growth before there is a stage three to four problem? In your personal experience, what gets youth excited to join the social fight? Let me explain real quickly. You may not have heard me talk about this on the podcast. And if you're new to the podcast or if you have never heard me speak live, you wouldn't have known that a long time ago I created what I call the four stages of youth mental health. In very short, stage zero, that's a stage where everybody wants to be at. Stage one, um, you know, parents, you know, start to see a little bit of change in the students or in their child's behavior. They start to see a little slack in, in their willingness to do uh, their normal responsibilities, chores, homework, and those things. And you start to see some decline in that attitude and stuff like that starts to dip a little bit. Stage two, it becomes more noticeable. In fact, uh, there starts to be more arguments and fighting. Um, maybe your kid can't go to school every now and then because they're, they're having problems with anxiety, depression, things of that nature. Stage three is when it becomes noticeable by teachers, coaches, parents. The grades really drop, really fall. That's when they start to show obvious signs of mental health or, you know, an emotional issues, specifically diagnosable issues. And those are the times when you're going to need, without a doubt, to get this some treatment, some help, therapy, so on and so forth. And um, like I said, everybody's noticing it. It's not a secret. And it's becoming to the point where it's been consistent for a while. Stage two is more like kind of intermittent. It's like happens every now and then. It's not like a consistent thing. Stage three is it's, it's becoming pretty consistent, which means it's diagnosable. In mental health, we can't diagnose like things like major depression um, until it's been a significant amount of time, like at least six months. But in stage three, it's it's definitely showing that there's some diagnosable things. Stage two, it's more of episodes. Now, stage four, now in stage three, it could be suicidal thoughts, ideations, maybe um, some self-harm, abuse of drugs or alcohol, and um, even aggressive behavior. Uh, I, I think it goes without saying that people are well aware of that there's some mental health issues that can get so severe that kids become, can, can become violent. And then stage four, this is where the typical traditional counseling and therapy, um, those support systems don't seem to be able to have what it takes to, to give the child the safety that they really need. This is where they may need to go to the psychiatric hospital for suicide attempts. Uh, the suicidal ideations are heavy maybe the aggressive, and this isn't, you have to have all of these to be diagnosed, or not diagnosed, to be identified as on that stage, but stage four would definitely be if someone threatens to shoot up their school, if someone has a serious suicide attempt, 
again, not everybody's going to have all these, but these will all be stage four things where they're incarcerated, um, psychiatric hospital, uh, serious drug and alcohol abuse, um, serious self-harm. So again, it's just at the highest level, that's stage four. So what this person is referring to in this question, because they heard me talk about the different stages, and a little side note, the reason why I came up with these stages, because a long time ago, I was like, hey, man, they, they have stages for cancer, and it's really important, because if a doctor can tell you what stage you're at in cancer, that gives you an understanding of what resources, what type of treatments that they would administer or prescribe for you. I feel that we've lacked that in mental health. I think mental health for many years has been kind of like the redheaded stepchild to physical health. I've always joked, but I don't think it's funny. So it's, I make a joke of it, but I actually don't think it's a joke. And that is with mental health. If, if our mental health or if our physical health system, so the medical system and the hospitals, if it operated similar to the way that the mental health system operates in regards to how we share information, how we're able to diagnose things or lack of diagnosing things and taking things serious. I think there'd be a lot more people in a lot worse situations physically, because I think that the mental health system is a makeshift system. I don't think it's a, it's a clear system. What I mean that has, um, you can't touch and feel depression and anxiety. For example, you can't see what suicide looks like. You can see cancer. You can see a brain tumor. You can see, Someone has a broken arm and an x-ray. These things are a lot easier to see. And so I believe that there's a lot more cohesiveness on how it's treated and how the medical health system has a lot more uniformity and how they communicate with each other. The mental health system, not so much. The mental health system is made up of a lot more standalone. Now, do professionals communicate with each other? Are we expected to communicate with each other? Yes, but the system is far from what the medical system is, in my opinion. So in this question, they're referring to stages three or four. I know I just went off on a tangent, but I believe it was necessary to help you understand this question. So I said, how do we get parents and youth interested in learning and social health growth before stages three and four? One thing you can do is that parents at home, you can implement conversations. It doesn't necessarily have to be from the media, from the news, but you can, you can implement conversations about things that are happening with youth that are helpful. A lot of times as parents, we focus on the negative, horrible things that happen, such as like a kid died by suicide or problems at schools with bullying and all these different types of stuff. You can have conversations at the dinner table asking your kids, hey, listen, we're curious to know what are some things that you see that go on in school that give you like hope and, and make you feel that this is a good thing for students or for teens or for kids. One thing that I've talked about with my kids at the dinner table is I'll ask them, I'll say, hey, guys, I was wondering, is there anything that happened at school this past week that you guys did to try to help people become better friends? Was there something that your teacher did in the classroom that you guys enjoyed? And, and maybe there's a conversation between two kids that they had an argument and they're able to work it out. Asking your kids to give you information about things that works for what I call to improve social health, which is... My definition of social health is, which I believe is the only definition right now floating around the internet, which is one's ability to build, maintain, and improve relationships with family, friends, coworkers, important adults in your life, online relationships, all while improving the relationship with yourself. You don't have to give your kids that information, but just ask your kids, hey, what were some good things that you saw that happened that someone helped someone out? Um, some good things that you saw that were helpful. That is a good way to start introducing conversations about social health 
or things that are just good for your kids to do. If they start to see that you reward them with like, wow, that's cool, or thank you for sharing that, or wow, what did you think about that? Then your kid's brain starts to start to acknowledge those moments as things that they should try to implement in their own day-to-day life, things that they should try to create, or things that they would want to compliment their friends for. That's what I do with my kids. I say, hey, if you see that happening with your friends, tell them that you thought that that was cool that they helped out another kid. You thought that that was really uh, helpful that your teacher gave compliments to everyone when they came into the class. I remember my daughter one time said her teacher was going around the classroom and said, hey, everybody gives a compliment about another kid in the class, something that they do that you like, or did someone help you out with something this week? And as they started doing it in the class, my daughter said she noticed that kids started to like just become more friendly with each other in, in the days following that. So that's one thing that I could say with that, with sort of supreme confidence will be helpful if you start having those conversations. Also, in the Pleasant Grove uh, presentation I gave to parents, I brought up recent studies that had happened. Um, I think it was 2021 is when they reported the studies, but it was done as a collaboration between Brigham Young University, Harvard University, and John Hopkins University, where they're just trying to figure out by interviewing 180,000 students, I believe. I think it was like some big number. It was either 80,000 or 180,000 students. And they interviewed all these students about what were some of the things that led them to being emotionally unstable, like suicidal and and having those types of thoughts, maybe self-harm, depression. And they identified that four of those things were having uh, family drama, so seeing lots of arguing, fighting, family members, specifically the parents at home, online bullying, um, relationship problems with their friends, and the fourth one was not having a stable father figure at the home. And... When they got done talking about the study, when I was reading about the study, the study concluded that something that we can do is very simple things we can do is they said it's less likely, those things are less likely to have um, occurred. Okay, not occurred. Kids are less likely to feel that way based upon some, some factors that they found out. One of the simple factors were kids that eat together at home with their family members are less likely to have those you know, those things uh, such as suicidal thoughts, feelings, depression, anxiety, and stuff like that. Another thing that they suggested, they suggested that parents should have conversations at home about things that kids are seeing that they're concerned or worried about, but also things that they should applaud and should give like a, yeah, that, that's a good thing. So that's definitely another reason why I brought that up. Next one is uh, not the next question, but just going back to the question. Um, so yeah, so that can definitely help out a lot. If, if your kids have the opportunities to take classes at school, I know at Harriman high school where I teach in their, uh, JTEC program, they, uh, labeled the types of classes that can help you, um, learn about careers in counseling and any of those self-help, like not self-help, but those helpful careers, they call it connection currency careers or connection careers. I said connection currency. That's my that's my label for my presentation. I just gave it Pleasant Grove, but connection careers. So encourage your kids to take classes. If there's SEL curriculums at your school, ask your kids about what they learn in the SEL curriculums. Those are great ways to help our kids um, avoid becoming uh, victims of stage three and four mental health of youth. Last part of that question was in my personal experience, what gets youth excited to join the social fight? I kind of alluded to a little bit. 
What gets kids excited to join the social fight is if they can identify friends or people in their life that need help with those things. So if you go and you help a friend through a difficult time and a friend struggling with maybe their own personal life, family, uh, maybe a f uh, being ousted from a friend group, feeling bullied, something like that. If you ask your kids to talk about things that they've been able to help their friends with, then that encourages your kids to want to be more involved in the social fight. Now, I, I wouldn't use the words fight, but I get what these people are talking about. <clears throat> the reason why is because we are in this fight, but I want your kids to see it as they are some sort of like a, like a consultant. I don't want our kids to be counselors, especially I don't want our kids to be crisis counselors. I want our kids to be, a oh, better way to put it, uh, I use this terminology in my classroom with kids, when I see a kid in my classroom going out of their way constantly to uplift a friend who tends to come to class that's down and sad and just kind of downtrodden a lot, I will say, hey, looks like you're that person's emotional support human. Every time I use that terminology, they laugh. So you can ask your kids, like, hey, how have you been an emotional support human this week or how has someone been an emotional support human for you? It's just a fun way to get them talking about that. And um, that's one way to get them involved in the social fight, a.k.a. social um, charge to move forward and connect and to be supportive to one another. Because, again, I do not want your kids to try to be crisis counselors and try to save their friends. Many of you parents should be worried and probably have gotten worried when you find out that your kid is skipping class and, and pulling away from certain responsibilities just so that they can help their friend all the time. This is very common. A friend says, hey, if you're a good friend, then you got to be there for me. Well, I'm struggling, so I need you to get out of class every time I'm struggling. As you probably know, that could also be used as an excuse to get out of class or to give them a reason for not being able to do their homework, whatever, because they had to stay up all night and talk to their friend. So if you have a child that has a tendency of always wanting to give tons of advice and tons of help to their friends, I don't want you to tell them to don't help their friends. I want you to tell them that, you're glad that they are willing to support their friends, but also remind them at the same time that they cannot save their friends. If their friends are in some deep trouble or having some deep challenges, that when their friends share information with them, that they should always let an adult know, someone that can actually help, like a school counselor, tell their teacher, tell the parents, or even tell you and say, hey, listen, I'm worried about my friend and I don't really know what to do. So instead of staying up all night, you know, talking to them and trying to save them, encourage your kids to come to you or come to a trusted adult that can actually do something because too many kids try to hold the secrets for their friends and they're struggling with their own mental and emotional struggles and challenges. Being a kid and a teenager is not easy. So last thing you want is your kids to take on all the burdens of other people and you know, yeah, it'll help their friend for a moment, but they can't fix their friend's problems. They can only support them with their problems and through their problems. So I'm gonna leave that for the episode today, answering those questions. Thank you again to all the parents on uh, that gave the questions at Pleasant Grove uh, Community Event. And also, I've got many more questions from this event to answer in next week's episode. And I also have more questions that will be coming through through the parents at Olympus High School. And I believe that these are questions that even though they're coming from Pleasant Grove and Olympus High School, it doesn't matter where you're listening to this in the country or even in the world. I know we got listeners in Dubai and some very remote places, which, by the way, hi to all of our fans overseas and outside of the United States. Thank you for listening and be uh, paying attention and listening for more questions that are going to be coming up in the future because we're all in the same fight together. And as always, thank you for helping us.